Welcome to Truth, Culture, Life. I am Royce Hood, and Father Orsi is with us. Technically, Father, I don't know if you got the memo, but this is technically season two of the show. Did you know that? You mean, oh my gosh, I guess, you know, when you're having a good time, it goes quickly. <laughs> you survived season one. Season one. Yeah, and it's sort of an arbitrary deadline. Like, we didn't actually have dates when we set out for this, but it just seemed like a good thing to do because there's been some uh, some time changes and different things at Catholic Spirit Radio. So excited about that. So welcome to uh, season two of Truth Culture Life. Father Orsi, what is going on in Florida? And then I'll bring in our guest in just a second. Well, what is going on in Florida? It is now springtime in Florida. The weather is absolutely magnificent. And uh, we also found out today that Governor Scott is uh, supporting Donald Trump mm -hmm. instead of Governor DeSantis. So a lot of things are happening in Florida, weather and, and politics. And uh, wow. I mean, it's, 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 we're living in a very, very uh, exciting time, but it's also a very dangerous time. As you know, the situation in the Middle East is just out of control. Yeah, we definitely, people need to, uh, without question, the statement that I'm seeing a, a lot that is so simple and so perfect is pray for peace, right? That's and, about all we have left is to pray because I don't see this thing uh, at the moment coming to a peaceful conclusion. Yeah, no, there's a lot of people out there that look, I mean, it almost seems like people are trying to create issues and mm -hmm. Um, I heard I heard a homily recently, Father. I, I I'm sorry to admit it. It wasn't yours because I'm not what? able to, <laughs> I'm not able to go to all of your masses, right? Although your homilies are online, but um, it was really simple. It was like, listen, if we don't pray for peace in our own homes, then there's never going to be peace in the world. I thought that was really interesting to sort of instead of always looking out, which is so easy to do with social media, is to sometimes to look in as well. I mean, yeah, is there sometimes the the home is a war zone. It can be, yeah, especially when you have yeah. six kids. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, particularly after Halloween when they're all hopped up on sugar, it's it gets really, uh, <laughs> as you can imagine. Uh, all right, so listen, Father, we have a very special guest joining us. Um, I want to welcome to the show Donna Marie. Donna, can you introduce yourself? And uh, Donna is the author, by the way, of a book about uh, Marian apparitions. Uh, Mary and Eucharistic Visits. And so Donna is going to uh, tell us all about her book and where we can find it. And I'm just excited to learn more about you and what you're working on. Well, thank you so much, Royce. It's great to be on your show. And yes, the book 30, Mary and Eucharistics, Adoring Jesus with His Mother. Uh, so, so you wanted to know something about me. Well, I don't like to talk about myself so much, but okay. So I'm a, a wife, a Catholic wife, mother, grandmother, um, an EWTN TV host of three different shows, series that I created to help inspire families and people. You know, my job, like yours is, and fathers, is to try to help people get to heaven, right? So that's why I do what I do, and that's why, you know, there's more than 35 books out already because God keeps me <laughs> writing, 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 whether it's, you know, in my sleep <laughs> when I'm out and about, you know, all the inspiration coming to my heart and my soul and all the research and everything to write about the saints, to write about our Lord, of course, and in the Eucharist and the Blessed Sacrament, our Blessed Mother, the angels, you know, a lot for women. I do a lot of um, work, like retreats I give and lots of writing for women on women's issues. You know, Father mentioned about the chaos in the home a little while ago. 
And I feel like it's my job to help encourage these mothers in the trenches, you know, these women who are working so hard and to help bring the family together around the dinner table. You know, I have a book, uh, Feeding Your Family's Soul, which talks about getting them to the table, feeding their bellies, yes, but feeding their soul by imparting the faith right at the table. So I'm all about, you know, trying to help the family, trying to help the individual, you know, the person you meet along the way on this crazy, uh, crooked pilgrimage through life to try to get to heaven. And I say crooked because in my own life, you know, it was a crooked path. <laughs> it was a crazy path. I had all kinds of things going on. And I talked about that in my memoir, The Kiss of Jesus. And again, I didn't want to talk about myself. I always want to give all glory to God in my writings, in my talks, whatever I'm doing on the television, on the radio. But then there came a time when I felt our Lord telling me, you need to share of yourself. You need to share the struggle and the crazy stuff too, because that can help others receive hope in their hearts. And they can realize that, yes, they if you did it, they can do it too. And so, you know, that's why I put pen to paper and fingers to keys to try to, you know, share these things, which are not so easy to share sometimes. And sometimes we feel, you know, they're not significant or, you know, how can that help someone? But we, we, uh, we come to see that these um, parts of our own lives, you know, when offered to our Lord lovingly and asking for his help and things turn around um, a lot better than we thought could even be possible. Let's, let's do this, Donna. You've got such a cool background. I want to talk about your, your latest book. Mm -hmm. uh, throw the image up there. The 30 Marian Eucharistic Visits, Adoring Jesus and His Mother. What I mean, for our, our listeners who don't know, what is a Marian Eucharistic visit? Okay, so a Eucharistic visit, we all know what that is. <laughs> you know, we go and we adore our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament, whether or not, um, you know, sometimes we could adore our Lord even not in the chapel, and we could get into that if we have time, but St. Faustina used to do that, adore our Lord right in her own sanctuary of her own heart because she believed Jesus remained there until the next Holy Communion. But going to the chapel, the church, you know, to adore our Lord, um, when he's in the tabernacle or exposed in the monstrance uh, for any amount of time, that's, you know, visiting our Lord, that's adoring him. And so I wrote this book, you know, asking and encouraging the reader to bring Mother Mary along with them, <laughs> bring her with, the, with you to the visit because she perfects our prayers. She loves us so much as our mother. And um, who else better than Mother Mary to bring to visit her son, Jesus? So that's... You know, I, that was on my heart for a while to do something like that. And then here we are in the Eucharistic revival. So, you know, I'm, I'm hoping and praying that it will be a help, you know, to help uh, guide the the adorer. They don't have to go by everything in the book because prayer is so personal. But it's like a guide, you know, to encourage them certain graces to pray for, certain um, reflecting on certain parts of the lives of Jesus and Mary and some of the saints. So. That's kind of in a nutshell why I wrote it and kind of a little can bit. I, can I ask you, could you yes. give us an example? You said there are 30 visits. Mm -hmm. And how do you show that Mary is bringing us to Jesus? When I was in the seminary, we, we had our motto, Ad Jesum Pir Marium, mm -hmm. uh, to Jesus through Mary. Is that kind of your theme throughout the mm -hmm. book? Yeah, it's trying to, uh, that's a great question, Father. It's it's trying to um, show the adorer, 
you know, to, to adore Jesus, to encounter Jesus through the eyes and the heart of Mother Mary. So I'll just answer your question by opening up to the table of contents to just give you a couple examples of um, these 30 reflections. Like, first of all, seeking the conversion of sinners with Mary, praying for gifts of the Spirit and, the, and for humility like Mary's, adoring the sacred heart of Jesus with Mary, striving for a generous heart like Mary, acknowledging Christ's true presence with Mary. And then I have some of the approved apparitions, you know, learning from Our Lady of Guadalupe, Fatima, Lourdes. So there's just so many. Learning to worship like Mary. There's even learning to be quiet like Mary, praising God with Mary, becoming a handmaid or servant with Mary. So there's so many, I won't go on and on. Or And welcoming the word of God with Mary. So I, I draw from the lives of Jesus and Mary, and then I um, weave in stories from the apparitions or certain saints uh, to give the person, the reader, the adorer, some little thing to to reflect upon, and then to try to help them to to be there with Jesus, to be present to Him, and to savor, you know, the graces, whatever God's doing to their heart in that moment, and to invite. You, know, you, said, you said that you. Uh look at some of the uh, Marian miracles and you mentioned a few of them. Can you tell us what they tell us uh, about uh, mm -hmm. Mary bringing us to Jesus? Sure. Well, uh, all of the apparitions really, Mary, you know, comes down from heaven and to kind of shake us up a little bit, you know, different times in the history of the world, you know, to say, you know, repent from sin, turn to God, turn to our Lord's mercy, become a merciful person, pray. Sometimes, you know, she asks us to pray the rosary for peace, right? We need that right now, peace in our world, you know, to take up the beads and to pray and to do that five first Saturday uh, devotion she tells us about at Fatima, you know, so because she said a, a there'll be a, a time of peace, her immaculate heart will triumph. So I'm trying to weave in uh, lots of teachings to help the reader, but little bites, you know, little gems. And, you know, Mary always, as St. Louis de Montfort had said, always leads us, well, we know she always leads us to Jesus, but she always perfects our prayers and gives them, offers them to him, even as St. Louis said, on a golden platter, you know, so we, turned to her for her help. St. John Paul II was afraid he might have been given her too much devotion, and St. Louis de Montfort allayed his fears by, in his works and his writings by saying, no, we need to come to know Mary so that we can come to know Jesus more worthily and more, you know, in, in, much, in a much more perfect way, because she knows every hair on his head. She knows everything about him. She's only going to help us get closer to him. What about the... Uh the other miracles, which other miracles do you uh, take a look at? Because there's certainly a, a number of miracles with Our mm -hmm. Lady appearing. Right, well, I didn't, I, I, the, I just mentioned in this book three different apparitions. I mentioned Our Lady of Guadalupe, Our Lady of Lourdes, and Our Lady of Fatima. And I just mm -hmm. mentioned a little bit about the, you know, the people who were there. And, um, and so I mentioned, and so Our, Our Lady is always, you know, working on our hearts. She's working on wanting us to turn away from sin and to pray to get closer to her son, Jesus. In every mm -hmm. single every single apparition, you know, she's telling us about this. Wonderful. Yeah, no, this is great stuff. Um, 
you know, it's a, it's such a positive subject and it's, it's mm -hmm. one of these inspiring, um, topics to talk about and with our, you know, the richest of our faith, there's a few, um, there's so much, you know, negativity on social media, mm -hmm. but every now and then you come across a positive story. And, and recently, uh, there was a, a report of, uh, again, a little bit off subject, but related. There is a report of the Eucharistic miracle where it almost looks like Our Lady appeared in the host. Do you, do you recall seeing that? Yes, yes. And I give a lot of, uh, I've been giving a lot of retreats during the month of October, actually. And I've been speaking on the Eucharist. A lot of my talks are called Revived in the Eucharist, you know, how our Lord heals us and and with Mary, with you know, helping us in our adoration. Yes, Father Chris Alar, MIC, whom I know very well from the Stockbridge Shrine. Uh, I speak there a lot. I uh, book sign there a lot. I write uh, a lot of books for them. He had a um, he's told he has a little video on this where he preached on Mary and the Eucharist in San Francisco. After he left, the people there saw thousands of people saw the image of Mary on the host. And um, it's still being investigated. He, you know, he's not saying it's, you know, uh, mystical or mir miraculous, but it's very beautiful. I, I saw it. I've also seen um, a place where I spoke recently. It's called the Mother of Mercy House of Prayer near Buffalo, New York. And I gave retreats there. They experienced a Eucharistic miracle there where Jesus's um, image was on the host and Father Kaz from the shrine and Father Chris they got the host, you know, it's being investigated. Uh, it's happened a few times. Father John Harden, my spiritual director from many years ago, who was also Mother Teresa's director. I knew Mother for 10 years. And um, I kept it quiet for a while in my life way back when. But then uh, as time went on, I felt our Lord wanted me to share these blessings with others. But Father Harden, very humble soul. He's a servant of God now. His uh, cause has opened. Um, he was placing the monstrance on the altar, and there's a picture of him, you know, placing on the altar, and there's a crucifix right in front, and here's the monstrance, and Jesus' face is so clear on the host. I have a picture of that, and so, you know, it's not, it's not unheard of these miracles. I mean, uh, blessed Carlo. Acutis documented Eucharistic miracles that were all approved, and he's got a whole website. Thank, thank goodness, um, and thank God for for him to put this together in his young life. He died at the young age of fifteen, but he put this beautiful website together for us. So there's so many Eucharistic miracles that have to do with the flesh and blood, and and it's just really amazing. But I think our Lord is trying to tell us something. And, you know, he's real, he's true, he's present in the Eucharist. We have so many people who do not believe we're living in this crazy culture. No wonder people are in disbelief. No wonder people are confused, you know? So that's why we do what we do. We pray and we offer the truth and we offer inspiration and encouragement and trying to get them to spend that time with our Lord. Let our Lord work on their hearts. He certainly did on my own heart in my, you know, all the times I visited him. He worked on my wounded heart and he's there. He's present. He He's there for us. He becomes, he's so humble. He he let, allows himself to be in the form of bread, a simple host to be with us, to remain with us, to heal our wounded hearts, to nourish us. So, you know, I encourage people get to know him. Take five minutes, 10 minutes, an hour and go and see him and spend time because 
whatever's on your mind, whatever's worrying you, whatever's troubling you, he is the answer and you can fall at his feet and you can shed tears, you can cry out for joy, but he, he's just gonna keep filling us with his blessings. I wanna ask you a question. Uh, you've obviously given, given a number of retreats, days of recollection. You ever have any uh, Protestant people that come and you present Mary to them. How do they react? Let's let's pick that up on the other side of our commercial break. You're listening to Truth Culture Life. We're um, joined by Donna Marie Cooper Boyle. What an awesome conversation. And Father just asked a question that I was going to ask in a, in a different manner. So we'll pick that up on the other side of the break. We'll be right back. Yeah, don't ever lose hope. Please believe in yourself. There's a new app, so Catholic Spirit Radio listeners with new phones, tablets, and other listening devices can also listen to our programs and podcasts. Go to your Google Play or Apple App Store to find the app Catholic Spirit Talk Radio. It's free. New app, same quality programs. A warm welcome to our new Catholic Spirit Radio listeners in Rockford. We hope you are inspired and informed by our quality programs. Tell others about Catholic Spirit Radio now heard in the Rockford area on 88.9 FM and CatholicSpiritRadio.com. Hi, I'm Dr. Greg Popchak. And I'm Lisa Popchak. We're the hosts of More to Life. For us, Catholic Radio is something that draws us together into conversations that can be at times difficult, but when directed by charity, become positively impactful. That's why we're so glad you're participating in your own way. By listening right now, let everyone else know about this jewel you have found. Please invite others into this work that the Holy Spirit is already doing. Invite them to listen. Hi, this is Kathy and Anne from Catholic Spirit Radio. We are looking for folks who would love to volunteer with us during our fundraisers and various other station events and tasks throughout the year. We really need volunteers in the DeKalb, Sycamore, Morris, Joliet, and Lincoln areas, as well as Bloomington Normal. If you have a few extra hours or more a month, put them to use for the Lord. We would love to add your name to our Catholic Spirit Radio volunteer list. Contact us at office at catholicspiritradio.org. Hey, this is Father Mitch Pacwa, host of Open Line Wednesday. For me, Catholic Radio is a chance to speak and hear our Catholic doctrine, consider it, think about it, apply it to everyday life, and be blatantly in the public with it. And I am so thankful to you for being an important part of the Lord's plan. By participating and listening, invite others to listen and hear Open Line has Catholic Spirit Radio touched you? Maybe it has brought you closer to God or even into the church. Tell us your story. Call or text our listener comment line. If you like, you can remain anonymous. 773-541-4159. Welcome back to Truth Culture Life at Catholic Spirit Radio. We want to thank Catholic Spirit Radio for airing this program. And be sure to download the app at catholicspiritradio.com. Also, uh, we are joined by Father, uh, for those that are just joining us, we're joined by Father Michael Orsi out of Naples, Florida, and uh, and very special guest, Donna Marie Cooper-Boyle. Father, take it away. Okay, question I uh, propose to you. You've given a number of retreats, days of recollection. Do you ever have Protestant women, people, come to your talks? And if so, what do they make out of the Virgin Mary? That's a great question, and it's a, um, a a lot of people talk about this in in the Catholic world because that's the sort of a bone of contention with 
our Protestant brothers and sisters and others that they think that, well, why are you worshiping Mary? But we're not worshiping her. We're loving her. We're honoring her. She is, after all, Jesus's mother. So sometimes I do get um, some Protestant women or men who come, uh, but lots of times through communication or at book signings. And I'll just give a little example in a second about that. But, um, you know, I just tell them that uh, Jesus, when he was hanging on the cross, you know, dying for our salvation, gave to us the eminent gift of his own mother. He wants us to get to know his mother. He wants us to love her. You know, he loves her. So, you know, they'll they'll have to come to terms with that in their own hearts and souls. You know, we can't push something on anyone. We can't force them to believe a certain way. And that's not what we want to do. But we want to let them know that she's a wonderful mother and she loves us and she's only going to help us. So, you know, not to fear reaching out to her. And so many Protestant brothers and sisters do turn to Mary after a while and then they fall in love with her. And I've seen this so many times. And, you know, one time I was at a book signing and it was actually my very first one many years ago. I was in a big shopping mall and a lady came with her husband and they had a little baby in the stroller. And I always give out blessed miraculous medals because, you know, Mother Teresa, she gave me this one. It broke. So I put it in here. She always gave me medals and I kind of carried on her tradition after she died. So I've given out tens of thousands all over the world. Well, this is the mother of God, right? Jesus's mother. So when you give it out to people who might not be Catholic, you don't know what they're going to think or say, but I was, I gave it out to this, these people. And I had my first book, which was called Catholic Prayer Book for Mothers. So they didn't buy the book, but they talked to me and then they left. And for some reason, I said to the, when I gave her the medal, the woman, I said, this is, this is Jesus's mother. And she took it and she, they walked away and in a, a few minutes later, the man comes running over and he says to me, oh my gosh, my wife wants your book. She's crying over there. She's crying and she's crying and she's Jewish. <laughs> and, I happen, yeah. and I happened to say, oh, I didn't say, I didn't just say Jesus' mother. I mentioned uh, about how her, she was a Jew. She was Jewish. And so that touched her heart so much. And she was Jewish, you know, and she, she, anyway, um, people, the Blessed Mother works on so many hearts and souls. So we just pray that, that the people will get to know her because she's just so wonderful. <laughs> I'll tell you a, a great story. Great. Uh, somebody in my parish works in a thrift shop oh. and they bring me in religious articles because they're not allowed to sell religious articles in the mm -hmm. thrift shop. Right. So uh, one day they brought me a statue of the Blessed Mother, uh, pretty you know, nice size. And uh, I have enough statues of the Blessed Mother to open up my own religious article shop. <laughs> so I thought that I would bring it over to the hospital. Oh. Uh, now it's a, it's a non-sectarian hospital. Mm -hmm. And uh, I said to one of the nurses who I knew was Catholic, mm -hmm. I said, would you like the statue? She says, oh, I would love it. <laughs> a few uh, days later, I went up to her floor, mm -hmm. and they had like a bookcase behind the nurse's station. And they're reigning over the nurse's station, this beautiful statue of the Blessed Mother. Oh. I said, wow. I said, I'm surprised. <laughs> I thought you were going to take it home. She says, well, uh, we discussed it. And there's many nurses that are not Catholic. 
and there are certainly administrators that are not Catholic. Mm -hmm. But we decided she belonged here, and we feel a lot more peaceful and happy since she's here. Uh -huh. So it touched their hearts and uh, they come from every different denomination and some of them are not even christian so it works that's beautiful that and yes she, she uh the sacramentals of statues medals and all of these things can draw us closer and give us comfort it reminds me father i'll say real quickly a protestant friend years ago she was going through a divorce and she had a lot of troubles and she had a couple of children and I knew she wasn't Catholic, but I took my rosary beads out and I handed them to her. I said, here, take these, just hold them. Just, you know, hold them when you're worried, you know, say a little prayer if you want. But later, years later, she said to me, if I didn't have those beads, I don't know what I would have done. And so that they gave her so much comfort. They were blessed, you know, a blessed rosary. Mm -hmm. So Our Lady, you know, works powerfully through the sacramentals and through the images of her too. And she wants us to come Yeah, close. you talked about the miraculous medal. Yeah. I have some folks in my parish that the family sits down and they uh, they make uh, necklaces with the miraculous medal on them. Oh. So uh, I gave them out at a high school that mm. I, I go to, uh, and uh, they were just delighted. The students were delighted to have the miraculous medal, and I gave them out at the hospital too. So even those that were not Catholic putting miraculous medals yeah. <laughs> it's doing something, you know? That's right, that's right. I do it all the time in my travels all over the place. And I never know when, you know, uh, the inspiration is going to come to give the medal to people. And uh, one time a, a gang member, a murderous gang member collapsed in my arms after I gave him a medal. Another time a woman on the floor of the airport was having a meltdown. You know, I put these stories in my books. I have so many stories to tell that I my books are filled with these stories, but God works powerfully and Our Lady works powerfully through her medal and through, you know, the prayers to her, the rosary and all of these wonderful things. You know, Donna, that reminds me of a story of Mother Teresa visiting oh. Chicago. Mm. And I'll probably, I'm paraphrasing and I'll get it wrong. And Father, I don't know if this was on this radio show, if we heard it somewhere else, but you know, so the, the sisters are there and they're being shot at and they, they send a letter to Mother Teresa. Mother, we're in this worst neighborhood. Can we please move? And she's like, no, you're exactly where you need to be. Mm -hmm. And so at some point, Mother Teresa comes and visits them. And there's this particular house where these, you know, gang members are really just nasty to the sisters and literally like guns. And they'd shoot into the air to scare the sisters. So what does Mother Teresa do? She walks to the door and knocks on the door and this big guy opens up. And uh, she's like, I want to, I want to come in. I guess maybe it was an apartment building or something. He's like, you're not allowed in here. I've got business in here. Yeah. He says, well, I have business in there too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and he was such an intimidating, <laughs> scary guy. She was completely confident in her faith, mm -hmm. totally unafraid. And what does he do? He lets her in and she ends up inviting him to a dinner at the, at the convent or, you know, wherever it was. And these guys ended up coming and, it was just amazing how she was able to reach people yeah, yeah. Um, and people that I would have been terrified of. Right. And um, she was so, she was so little too. The first time I met her, I couldn't believe she was only a little bit taller than my six year old daughter at the time. She's very small and she had a hump on her back from, I attributed to bending down, taking care of the people on the cots, the dying and everything. So she was a powerhouse of faith, hope and love. I'll tell you about a mother Teresa story. Great. Back, back in 1976, we had the Eucharistic Congress in Philadelphia. Right. And uh, 
it was kind of dusk and I was uh, moving very, very quickly. I was I think 25 years old at the time and I'm moving to get to the mass on the Benjamin Franklin Parkway. And all of a sudden I slammed into what I thought was a kid. And I looked down and it was mother Teresa. <laughs> I said, she was like, she was like as big as a kid. Yeah. I said, Oh, mother Teresa, uh, mother Teresa. I'm so sorry. Mother Teresa. She says, God bless you, Father. May I have you a blessing? Oh. <laughs> I never forgot that. You Mother Teresa with your car? No, oh, with my, my, my person. Oh, I thought you were in your car. Oh. I, 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 I been, she would have been dead. I said, I'd be going to kill Mother Teresa. <laughs> That's oh. I was hustling down the street, not in the car. Thank that was God. A I've That's a beautiful her. story. Wow. Wow, that's we were, uh, we were meant to bump into her. <laughs> I guess so. I mean, uh, and then for her to, you know, not even to get mad, ask my blessing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. She was like that. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. Well, this, is, uh, this is great. Um, you're listening to Truth Culture Life. We're joined by Donna Marie uh, Cooper Boyle. Uh, explain that name for us. That's a great name. Oh, wow. People don't usually ask me, but I do have a story with it. Just real quickly. You know, people sometimes say, well, you have a long name. I even there was a time even a, a couple people wrote to me and said, oh, you must be so stuck up because you want to be so important to have this long name. And it's kind of embarrassing a little bit, to, you know, to be introduced Donna Marie Cooper. So I, it's not like I want to have this huge name, but I'll tell you, when my first book was going to come out, I put the hyphen back in my name. My mother named me Donna Marie. That's not two names. That's one name, <laughs> Donna Marie. And she put a hyphen. It means Lady Mary. She wanted it staying together. But during, during my life, everybody calls me Donna. That's okay. I don't mind. But I thought my mother would be honored. She was already passed. She had already passed away. And I thought she would like if I put the hyphen back in my name. So that gave me Donna Marie. Cooper is to honor my father. And O'Boyle is to honor my husband. So that's why I have those names. It's really, it's three names, Donna Marie, Cooper, O'Boyle. <laughs> I, I keep forgetting the O. I apologize. That's Donna. okay. That's okay. I, I love that. I love this, the name, you know, stories about names because there's always a story and most people know it. Um, anyway, my story is not exciting. I won't share yeah, it, but yeah, you could share it. <laughs> just Robin Hood. That's yes. it. Father has introduced me on national television programs as Robin Hood, <laughs> which is great. Um, That's good. So, yeah, if he likes you and long enough, you do get a nickname. You know, I, I just want to, before we run out of time, mm -hmm. uh, Donna, I want to plug your website again. That's, mm -hmm. uh, that's DonnaCooperOboyle.com. We'll post a link in our Facebook page. And I've been on the website. It is awesome. You've got Thank a ton you. of information on there. Thank um, you. And in just a few seconds, just since you asked, I was named at a um, at an Italian restaurant when my mother was eating a meatball sub. It's not <laughs> it's not a great story at all. It was a good Italian restaurant. It was called the the French Connection, even though it was an Italian restaurant. It was in wow. Juno Beach. I don't know why they called it French. Maybe it was just Connection. Anyway, my older brother Sean was sitting there. They're eating a meatball sub, and this boy walks in, and my brother says, "Oh, hey, Royce from his from his class." And my mom says, oh, I love that name. Sean, let's name the baby Royce. And so that's where it came from. Wow. About three weeks later, Sean uh, 
came and to my mother and, and, and started crying and said, we can't name the baby Royce. My friend's name is Roy. It's not Royce. Oh. <laughs> but luckily my mom stuck with Royce. So that's it. Uh, it's really, yeah. Yours has far more meaning than mine. Well, I, yours is an interesting story and it's a great name. I haven't heard Royce before. So it's, it's, do you have, do you know other Royces? Yeah. It, it, coincidentally, this oh. is weird. Yeah, I like Rolls Royce. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I am working on the trademark infringement infringement case against that car company. It's not going anywhere. Um, I don't think it will go anywhere. <laughs> but but believe it or not, Donna, I actually used to bank at SunTrust Bank in Florida, and there was a sizable deposit in an account one day. It was gone within minutes. So I was really worried, and I was excited about the deposit. And I, you know, but then it was gone. I'm like, oh, what is going on here? Wow. Turns out there are two other Royce Hoods at SunTrust Bank. Wow. Father and son, unrelated. They live in Tampa. Um, yeah, so oh. I, I have RoyceHood.com, so I beat them to it. Well, you know, that's actually one of uh, – there was a problem uh, with the IRS years ago. There was somebody who had a similar – the same name as me. That's why then I thought, let me put Cooper into it. Honor my father and then Cooper. Nobody will have that name because they wanted me to pay this woman's back taxes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That would not be – I don't like taxes as it is anyway. Um, so that would be equal, doubly painful. Um, yeah. This is so cool having you on. Uh, and you. I, we only have about two minutes left before we go into our next segment, Donna. Mm -hmm. But I was hoping you could tell us a little bit about your EWTN shows. Now, Father Orsi, just so you Dude. know, has his own TV shows. They oh. air in – where are your shows air again, Father? Southwest Florida, New York. Southwest Florida and Syracuse, New York. Why Syracuse? I don't know. One of our one of our benefactors lives in Syracuse, so oh, gotta go up to Syracuse. That's great. If you ever need a fiery priest, I would recommend Father Orsi for your program. Good. You think I'm, you think I'm fiery? You can, <laughs> can get himself in trouble sometimes. Is the only thing you got to be careful with Father Orsi. <laughs> yeah, Father Orsi got to be careful. <laughs> Now the whole world knows. <laughs> the whole world knows. <laughs> the out. Well, we are going to follow your book. Um, I'm super excited about it. Thank you. Just wow. So great, great work on it. And again, where, where can people find the book? So they can go to uh, EWTNRC.com. They can go to SophiaInstitute.com. Or I, maybe that's .org, but I, um, they'll find it. And also my own website, www.donnacooperoboyle.com. If they put the Marie in there, that'll you'll still get there. And there's lots of stuff at my website. And also um, your listeners could hopefully um, sign up for my free newsletter where I keep them abreast on all kinds of happenings. That's wonderful. And, and they can do that at your website as well? Yes, in the right-hand awesome. column. We yes. will post a link at Truth Culture Life Pod uh, via Facebook. And so any of our listeners, if you're listening, just check us out on Facebook, Truth Culture Life Pod, and I will post a link when the show airs. So be sure to check that out. And we really wish you all the best. And we hope you come back uh, on this well, program. Oh, that Eric, would be good luck with the book. Thank you. Well, it's not luck, Father, as you know. It's all by the grace of God. And, you That's know. It. Well, you, you, got a very, you have a very good agent working for you, the Blessed Virgin. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yes. Amen. 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 It's, wonderful, it's wonderful to meet you both. Thank you so much for having me. God on bless show. you. Bye. God bless you. Oh, may I have your blessing, Father. Oh, may the Lord Jesus bless you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank, Amen. You. Peace. Thank you.
All right. You're listening to Truth Culture Life at Catholic Spirit Radio. We just want to thank Donna Marie for her time. Um, and wow, so great. Be sure to check her out. And we'll be right back after this break. On the ground. Ever don't you know? Something touched my heart. There's a new app. So Catholic Spirit Radio listeners with new phones, tablets, and other listening devices can also listen to our programs and podcasts. Go to your Google Play or Apple App Store to find the app Catholic Spirit Talk Radio. It's free. New app, same quality programs. A warm welcome to our new Catholic Spirit Radio listeners in Rockford. We hope you're inspired and informed by our quality programs. Tell others about Catholic Spirit Radio now heard in the Rockford area on 88.9 FM and catholicspiritradio.com. Hi, I'm Dr. Greg Popchak. And I'm Lisa Popchak. We're the hosts of More to Life. For us, Catholic Radio is something that draws us together into conversations that can be at times difficult, but when directed by charity, become positively impactful. That's why we're so glad you're participating in your own way, by listening right now. Let everyone else know about this jewel you have found. Please invite others into this work that the Holy Spirit is already doing. Invite them to listen. Hi, this is Kathy and Anne from Catholic Spirit Radio. We are looking for folks who would love to volunteer with us during our fundraisers and various other station events and tasks throughout the year. We really need volunteers in the DeKalb, Sycamore, Morris, Joliet, and Lincoln areas, as well as Bloomington Normal. If you have a few extra hours or more a month, put them to use for the Lord. We would love to add your name to our Catholic Spirit Radio volunteer list. Contact us at office at catholicspiritradio.org. Hey, this is Father Mitch Pacwa, host of Open Line Wednesday. For me, Catholic Radio is a chance to speak and hear our Catholic doctrine, consider it, think about it, apply it to everyday life, and be blatantly in the public with it. And I am so thankful to you for being an important part of the Lord's plan. By participating and listening, invite others to listen and hear Open Line has Catholic Spirit Radio touched you? Maybe it has brought you closer to God or even into the church. Tell us your story. Call or text our listener comment line. If you like, you can remain anonymous. 773-541-4159. Welcome back to Truth Culture Life at Catholic Spirit Radio. Uh, our last guest, Donner Cooper O'Boyle. Uh, you can find out all about her and if you don't already know her, be sure to visit her website at DonnaCooperOboyle.com. We are now joined by a really special guest. Uh, John, say your last name again for me. I'm not Italian, so I'm going to get it wrong. Martinoni is the anglicized version yeah. of Martignoni. Father, how would you say it, being a good Italian? Mart Martignoni. Martignoni. That almost yeah, sounds the, easier. The, the GN has a little squiggle on top. I don't know what they call it. What's a little, it used to have a little squiggle. And they allied the G and the N, yeah, yeah, in the Italian. <laughs> he knows. He, he's a New Yorker, right, Father? You got it. You got yeah, it. Where are you uh, from? Where are you uh, from? Well, I'm from Alabama, but my family's originally from Chicago. Uh huh. Oh, interesting. Well, uh, John, you're the founder and president of the Bible Christian Society, an apologetics and evangelization organization that reaches hundreds of thousands of people around the world each year uh, with the truth of the Catholic faith. What I love about that is the Bible Christian Society, by its name, does not at all sound Catholic. Well, that's right. The, the story about that is that I was uh, listening just by chance, quote unquote chance, 
heard a very anti-Catholic program on a Protestant radio station one day, and I called them to complain, and they kind of blew me off. So I wrote a letter to them to complain about the anti-Catholic program. It was an evangelical station, and I signed the letter, John Martinoni, and I, I thought, you know, they don't care who John Martinoni is. So I made up this organization called the Bible Christian Society, and I made myself the president. So I signed it, John Martinoni, President, Bible Christian Society, sent it in to them, and one thing led to another, and I wound up with a one-hour-a-week live Catholic apologetics program on the largest evangelical radio station in the state of Alabama. Hey, that was fair enough. Yeah, I figured, sure. you know. Yeah, I mean, this is awesome. So I'm looking at the website. I mean, it's super cool. I love it when uh, that's like the Holy Spirit action plan and work. I mean, you were just right. reacting out of instinct to something and boom, look what the Lord does with it. That's it. And it's it's gone from there. I mean, I'm a finance guy. That's my background. Finance, MBA. I worked in banking. I was a cost analyst for in the defense industry and and never planned on being a Catholic apologist. But that showed, like I said, by by just happening to hear the, the last 45 seconds of this anti-Catholic program on that radio station led to me doing everything I, I'm doing now. Because after I got that show on the radio, on evangelical radio, people start calling, wanting me to talk at their parish. Uh, my talks got recorded. EWTN aired the talks. People start calling, can we get copies of your talks? And can you come talk at our parish? And I was like, sure, fine. Where are you? Kalamazoo, Michigan, Reno, Nevada, Sacramento. I was like, oh my gosh, what's going on? And it just snowballed from there. That's huge. Can you tell us a little bit about your background? I mean, are you cradle Catholic? Did you have a conversion along the way? Well, I grew up Catholic, uh, cradle Catholic, but really as a kid, I didn't learn my faith. And I tell people when I walked onto the campus at the University of Alabama, I walked right out of the church and for 13 years lived a world-class heathen lifestyle and after working in the government contracting business for a while, I decided to go back to school to get a Ph.D. in finance. I only did one year of the Ph.D. program, but as I was leaving that school, as I left the campus at North Carolina, I walked right back into the church. Things had, things had happened, more coincidences in my life that year at, at the University of North Carolina that uh, led me back to the church. But after I got back in the church... I still didn't know my faith. I was what you would call a cafeteria Catholic and uh, got at the bank I was working at. People kept asking me questions. Why do Catholics do this? Why do Catholics do that? Where in the Bible is this? Where in the Bible is that? And I was like, what are you asking me for? And they're like, well, John, you're uh, you're Catholic. I was like, oh, yeah. OK, so I went down to the Catholic bookstore and this was about a year, two years before the catechism, the, the newest catechism had come out in the early 90s, and I walked in Catholic bookstore here in Birmingham, and I said, is there a book that explains why Catholics believe what they believe? And this woman, she was a volunteer. She must have been like 95 years old. She took half an hour to walk up and down every single aisle in the bookstore, and I'm just standing there. Going, what, what is she doing? And she comes walking back. She goes, no, we don't have a book like that. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, Okay, so I'm thinking, what am I supposed to do? And she reaches into this uh, glass case. She pulls out a cassette tape. She goes, I've heard this tape is pretty good. You might want to listen to it. 
I'm like, I'm a researcher. I don't want to listen. I want something I can put my hands on and, and highlight and underline. So I, I just thank you, man, very much. I go out to my car, I put it, the cassette tape in the tape player. Well, it was Scott Hahn's conversion story. So that was like throwing gasoline on smoldering embers. And I just started getting everything Scott Hahn I could lay my hands on and started, you know, reading scripture. And then the catechism came out a couple years later and uh, just, you know, learned apologetics and through apologetics learned about my Catholic faith. I love this. This is uh, such a cool, I'm always fascinated by those stories. And uh, your website, the the Bible Christian Society, there's a ton of free booklets uh, that people can take a look at. There's free CDs, downloads, DVDs. Are you producing all this content yourself or are you working with other groups to, to make some of these? Well, different- the, the, the DVDs were are of my TV shows, TV series that I did at EWTN. So those are the only things on the website that cost money because I have to buy them from EWTN. They, you know, obviously give me a reduced price. But so and I basically sell them just right at cost or a little bit. Maybe I make a dollar or something. Everything else, all the audios, uh, everything. I did all that myself. I've got a newsletter page where I've got 20 years worth of apologetics newsletters. And um, that's where that's basically where my books have come from. And everything there other than those DVDs from EW10 are are free because I just think, you know, seek ye first the kingdom of God and then all these other things, what you're to eat and wear and and be housed. All that will be added unto you. So first thing I do is get the word out. I love it. No, this is so cool. I love the title of the book, too. A Blue Collar Answer to Protestantism. Catholic questions Protestants can't answer. Just this morning, I was on X, you know, the uh, the old Twitter, and um, a, a fellow I follow is a uh, former speechwriter under Donald Trump, was a former Protestant, hated the Catholic Church, and had a deep conversion. And now all he posts, it's hilarious. He's like so on fire for the faith. And those are the best ones. I feel yeah. like he knows more about the church than I do. And he's only probably been a Catholic for a few years. But he was replying to a thread from a, a gentleman who's a, a Protestant gentleman. I don't remember his name off the top of my head, but he just a simple post, but it was so anti-Catholic, but he said something like, you know, Mary doesn't want you to pray to her. She can't hear you. You know, Jesus is, is God. Or so it was something like that where Mary can't hear you. And I thought to myself like, wow, like what is, how do you respond to that? And I, I, I kept thinking about something Cardinal Burke said a while back. He was talking about God's permissive will. And I ran out of time. I was, you know, hadn't thought about it, but, our answers to questions like that. How do you respond to something as simple as Mary can't hear you? Well, I, uh, I'm talking to somebody who goes by the Bible alone. Almost every Protestant, Protestant, that's, that's probably the one universal doctrine in Protestantism is sola scriptura. We go by the Bible alone. So I ask them, where in the Bible does it say Mary can't hear you? And they, they're like, well, you know, it doesn't say she can I said, well, there's, you know, this this verse in in chapter seven of Revelation that talks about the souls under the altar in heaven. And they ask, they ask Jesus, they said, when will we be avenged on earth? So they obviously know about things that are going on on the planet Earth. Then you've got, uh, you know, Lazarus and the rich man, that story. Well, Abraham and Lazarus and the rich man or Abraham and the rich man, at least obviously know things that are going on on earth 
So how can you say Mary can't hear you? You know, there, it's we have a few, several examples in Scripture of people in heaven, people in the in the beyond, knowing what's going on on planet Earth. So they obviously can see and hear and know in some way, shape, or form, all by the power and grace of God. But they know what's going on here on Earth, and if they they can know, why can't Mary? I mean, there's there's one passage that says that the angels in heaven rejoice over a repentant sinner. Well, what if the sinner repents in his heart and never says anything out loud? That means the angels know what's going on in his head and his heart in heaven. If the angels do, why can't the saints? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think God, I I always am surprised when people put limitations on what God can do or what God can allow. Um, And in that respect, even though, I mean, in that respect, it's funny, it's sort of an irony. Catholics are almost, I I hate to use the word liberal, but we're almost more like there's more freedom when you're Catholic because you can do it. I'll tell you, I'll tell you why, because there's a lot more there (laughs) when you have the fullness of the truth. Well, there's a lot more truth that is going to be conveyed to you and that you can use for your salvation. So just think, we talked earlier about the Blessed Virgin Mary. If you're a Protestant, you don't have that devotion. If you're a Protestant, you don't have devotion to the saints. You don't have the sacramentals. And all these things are aids to our salvation. So that's why there's so much more there. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I tell the first chapter of my book is called Decapitating Jesus. And people go, what? Decapitating Jesus? What are you talking about, John? I said, well, there are a lot of Protestants. In the last 25 years that I've been doing this, I've talked to thousands of Protestants across the whole spectrum of Protestantism. And I've run across a number of them who say, well, I don't need the church. I've got Jesus. I don't need the church. I've got the Bible. So what are they doing? They're separating Jesus, the head, from the church, which the, the Bible itself identifies as the body of Christ. So if you separate the head from the body, that's called decapitation. And so mm-hmm. without the church, it's like what Father was saying. They don't have the sacraments. They don't have all these graces. And so they're very, very limited in their faith, in what they know, in what they believe. And, and that's why one of the reasons I, I talk so much with Protestants is because, yeah, they, they, they believe in the Trinity. They believe in Jesus as our Lord and Savior and so forth but they don't have the fullness of the truth. And I always ask, people will say, John, why do, you, why do you talk to Baptists and evangelicals? Why don't you go after, you know, people who don't have God at all, like atheists or, or, or Hindus or, or whatever? I say, well, number one, Protestants are all the people that I run into. But number two, who is it that God doesn't want receiving him in the Eucharist? You know, if the Baptist doesn't receive Jesus in the Eucharist, I need to bring the Baptist to the Eucharist. I need to bring the evangelical to the Eucharist so that they have all the treasures and all the graces that we are able to receive in and through the church. You know, I'll tell you a great story. Many years ago, I was the, what they call it, the supply chaplain at the United States Coast Guard Training Center. It's like boot camp. And uh, when young people are in boot camp, they all get religion, all right? Because they have their CC shouting in their face, they're away from home and they're scared. So 
we would have a Catholic service and a Protestant service. So we would have the, the Protestant uh, minister come into the Protestant service. But the students could uh, go to any service they wanted or to both. And most of them went to both. They just wanted as much of God to help them as, as possible. So one of the uh, fellows uh, that was Protestant stayed for mass. And uh, he was watching people come in. And uh, he saw them genuflecting. And he didn't know what it was. And he said to me, uh, hey, pastor, uh, how come these people are falling on their knee when they come into the chapel? And I say, well, you see that box, that's the tabernacle. We believe that Jesus is present in the host that are in the tabernacle, in the bread, in the tabernacle. And he said, pastor, if I could believe that, I'd crawl here every day. Yeah. How do you, how you like that? Yeah, absolutely. I'll tell yeah. you another funny story. You know, you're talking about you being a, on an evangelical television station. TV, radio? Radio. Whatever it was. Anyway, my show, we're on for a lot, about five or six years, or oh, maybe it's seven. Uh, we are on an evangelical station. And uh, for the most part, when they first saw me, uh, because you could see me on television, uh, they were kind of angry. Uh, what's that collar doing on our station? And uh, the management had to uh, field a number of negative uh, calls. Then things got, you know, pretty much, uh, they got used to me and uh, pretty positive. Except for one thing that I said that I got a call on. I used the expression, hey, you know, talk is cheap. Beer costs money. They didn't want to hear the word beer. <laughs> Everything else is okay. Don't say well, beer. That reminds me, my very first show that I did on the evangelical radio station, it was a it was a live call-in show. And the very first caller I got, the, the, the first show I was doing was called Catholics or Christians Too. And I'm just going over, I said, you know, here are all the things we have in common with, with non-Catholic Christians. But when it comes to salvation, we differ with some of them because Catholics believe salvation is a process whereas many Protestants believe it's a one-time event. And I was just reading from letters of Paul, where Paul says we were saved. Another place he says we're being saved. And another place he says we will be saved. I said, that, that connotes process. Guy calls in. I go to him. I say, okay, we've got our first caller, Brian on line one. Brian, what's your question or comment? He is screaming at the top of his lungs through the phone. He says, you are an abomination. What is a Catholic doing on a Christian radio station? <laughs> you know? Like, okay, let's rock and roll, bud. Wow. They want, you know, they, they want to be able to say, I accepted Jesus. I am saved, period. Yeah. But if you buy that, I don't think they could do whatever they want. Yes. After that. I had a friend of mine once and, uh, well, he said he was saved, but he was leading a pagan life. He had uh, girlfriend after girlfriend, and he was doing a couple of other things that weren't very nice. And I said to him, uh, I thought you were saved. He goes, yeah, I'm saved. I said, it doesn't mean you, you could do anything you want because you have free will, and you're going contrary to the will of Jesus. So you're not being his friend when you do that. Well, that's, yeah, the, the first half of my book is called Problems with Protestantism. And one of the other chapters in there is called one of the problems with Protestant is Protestantism is that sin has no consequences. Right. Because if you're saved, you're going to heaven. And it doesn't right. matter what you do. 
how many sins you commit, how many things, you know, sins of commission, sins of omission. Does it matter? Once saved, always saved. I'm going to heaven. If you're not saved, it doesn't matter what sins you're committing because you're not going to heaven anyway. So those sins don't don't have any impact on your salvation. Salvation is simply a matter of do you believe in Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior or not? If you do, you're going to heaven. If you don't, you're not. Sin has no consequence. But if you read the Bible, the Bible says something other than that. So, yeah, that's that's one of the problems with Protestantism that I talk about in my book. Yeah, on the uh, how, how the on the website uh, at sophiainstitute.com, people can buy your book, A Blue Collar Answer to Protestantism, sophiainstitute.com. One of the subjects is uh, how Protestants view sin and infallibility. And then it says in uh, brackets, brace yourself. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's it. That's I, 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 I say that the lack of infallibility in Protestantism is its Achilles heel because you know, you have all these Protestants talking about the the security of their salvation, that they know they've been saved. But no one in Protestantism, no person, no institution is infallible. So that means every single one of them could be wrong in at least some of the things that they believe, if not all of the things they believe. So if there's the possibility of you being wrong on salvation, you being wrong on how you interpret scripture, you cannot have eternal security. You cannot be once saved, always saved and have this absolute assurance that you're saved because there's nobody with infallibility in Protestantism. So that's, you know, whereas in the Catholic Church, we've got the Pope, and the magisterium that, well, Pope's infallible when he teaches on faith and morals from the chair of Peter to the entire church because God wouldn't let his people go astray. Well, uh, this is such a fascinating conversation. I wish we had more time. We're actually totally out of time uh, for today's program. Uh, everybody, you're listening to Truth Culture Life at Catholic Spirit Radio. And uh, we're joined by guest John Martignoni. Did I get it right, Martignoni? You got it. You got it, you got it Robin Hood. <laughs> on my uh, linguist uh, lingo there. So um, Blue Collar Answer to Protestantism. I, I want to get the book. It looks awesome. I'm, I'm looking at the website uh, at, at sophiainstitute.com. You can read about it. I would really encourage people to check this out. Um, and there's a coupon code right now at Sophia Institute. It says get 20% off. I haven't clicked on it yet, but I'm going to post a link to our Facebook page at um, Truth Culture Life Pod for all of our listeners to be sure to check this book out. John, I hope you'll come back again. Good it's been a lot of fun having you on this program. Take good, care, John. Good, good luck. Keep up your good work. Good, good talking to you, Father Orsi. God bless. God bless you as well. All right, you're listening to Truth Culture Life and Catholic Spirit Radio. We'll see you again next week.